0: Welcome to the Michigan Minds podcast, a quick and informative analysis of today's top issues from University of
1: Michigan faculty. Thank you both so much for joining me on Michigan Minds. I'm really looking forward to talking with you and learning more about your work. So can you start by introducing yourself and sharing a little bit more about your role at the University of Michigan?
0: Sure. Thank you so much for having us today. My name is Sarah Stilwell. I use she, her pronouns. I'm a former elementary educator and a graduate of the Combined Program in Education and Psychology here at University of Michigan. Currently, I'm a postdoctoral scholar in the School of Public Health, where my work aims at promoting school safety, health, and well-being in educational settings.
2: And I am Kate Mormon. I also use she, her pronouns. Um, I'm a former high school teacher and I am a current doctoral candidate within the Combined Program for Education and Psychology. So what in what areas does your research focus? So I am really focused in on how teachers think about and enact culture within their classrooms. Um, I'm really interested in thinking about expanding classrooms to places where multiple ways of being and knowing are agentively constructed.
0: And broadly, my research aims to understand student and practitioner conceptualizations of effective and equitable instruction and also alternative approaches to curriculum in kindergarten through 12th grade contexts.
1: Is there an experience, or can you kind of share with us what led you to the research areas of K-12 educational efficacy?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think this is a really great question. So when we talk about efficacy, it's actually a very nuanced word and concept that's started to receive a lot more attention recently, particularly as it's related to education. So there's really a lot of contextual factors that should be attended to when we talk about what efficacy really means and how we're thinking about what it means to be effective, effective teachers, effective people, effective students in educational contexts, and one person's definition of efficacy may not be the same as another's. And so when we were thinking about what efficacy means in the scope of our project that Kate and I imagined together... We really scoped and conceptualized the idea of efficacy through the perspective of practitioners during the COVID-19 pandemic, which was an extremely unprecedented time in the landscape of education. So we were very interested in learning from educators what their perspective on efficacy was at this very unique time, and what we can learn from them, and how we could use their voices, their experiences, their own perspectives to really support their future efforts to lead to more effective educational outcomes and understandings of what this idea of educational efficacy truly does mean.
2: I really, I just want to echo some of those concepts that you're thinking about, which is just like... We were really interested in this project about learning about the experiences of shifting to emergency remote learning within the context of COVID-19, and we wanted to learn alongside and from teachers. So efficacy, in this sense, was really about listening to teacher needs and figuring out what salient ideas are resonating across their responses. So In other words, we're thinking about how can we really lift up and honor the voice
1: of practitioners? Thank you. This past April, you presented your research at the UX at UM conference during the session. What do experiences tell us learning from and supporting the unique needs of K-12 teachers in emergency remote teaching? Can you share insight from this work and tell us a bit more about your findings? Sure. So our research
2: was aimed um, At understanding teacher needs during this, again during this uh, emergency remote transition that happened as a consequence of the pandemic, um, this was something educators really hadn't experienced before. They hadn't been prepared for that, and we were interested in understanding their perspectives about their experiences. And what we learned from them was about flexibility and support, and really how important those were in reimagining what engagement can look like in this adapted approach to learning. Um, And we also learned that the context of teaching continues to change. Even as we completed these interviews, the messaging about the health risks and COVID-19 continued to change. um, And that really doesn't necessarily give teachers and students a toolkit for how to think about what it means to be with one another in a classroom or a hybrid setting.
0: And sort of to add a little bit to that point about technology in online or hybrid settings for online teaching, we also discovered that technology was perceived as both useful and sometimes a cumbersome way to integrate teaching. So this is another way in which we were really thinking about context and how imperative it really is to think about that really deeply and how we need to be very privy to the contextual factors for education. So this is something that we continue to learn about and specifically learning what works in different settings for a variety of students and with different schools and different practitioners. So for us, this is something where the learning never stops and you always continue to be curious.
1: Thank you for sharing that. What kinds of resources are available to teachers when working in a hybrid setting? Are there any helpful tools that can support teachers in the case of going back to online learning?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Circling back to this idea of context, I would say that this is something that really deeply depends. And The context often determines what resources are available to both students and teachers alike. So there have and there continue to be really fantastic opportunities for the ways that we reimagine how teaching can look in both online and in hybrid settings. And we have learned a tremendous amount from the educators that we talked to, but above all, we've learned that there is no silver bullet approach to this. And it's something that we continue to learn about and we continue to learn about what works best and how we can recalibrate and how we can move forward. So as teacher burnout really continues to rise, supporting teachers in diverse settings is becoming an increasingly pressing issue. And it's something that in our own work, we aim to consider from multiple perspectives. So really providing opportunities for communication and for relationship building among teachers to support one another can be a really great tool. But again, I just wanna reiterate the point that I think context matters.
2: Yeah. So I think in a, in a similar vein, one of the things that we heard from teachers was just how important it was to continue to build out and rely um, on a coalition with other educators who are interested in creating classrooms that move in ways that they are aligned with. So continuing to think about multiple meanings and how to value dialogue within teaching, whether that be in a remote setting,
1: a hybrid setting, or an in-person setting. Fantastic. Thank you. As the start of the school year is quickly approaching, how can teachers and parents assist or support students with the adjustment of going back to school?
2: I think folks may wanna continue to recognize that their role as a teacher or as a caretaker um, might have shifted several times, you know, in this two and a half years. So it's important to develop strategies that are gonna allow you to continue to be gracious with yourself and with your students. One thing I wanna lift up that has been really fruitful for me is that I've been continuing to come back to a question Um, that my friend, Monet Cooper, often poses when we've been in co-creating spaces together, which is, what is it that we owe to one another? Um, And what is it that we owe to ourselves? And from there, to build out concrete structures to support those ideas and those values. Um, Really briefly, one of the schools that I've been in contact with um, has started a homework club that has a variety of times for students to hop on and co-work in Zoom rooms together. So not only were there multiple times for teachers and students um, to be on and accountable with one another, there was a sense of shared accountability among the teachers and who would host the Zoom so that there was not this reliance on one teacher to be doing everything for her students or for their students.
1: Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Do you have any advice or tips for teachers, parents, or students as they prepare to go back to school in the upcoming weeks?
0: Yeah, I think that one of the things that we can really do is think about how to center parent and teacher expertise that they have learned within the past few years, and that can be a really powerful place to start. So many of the times as we reflect on the progression of the pandemic, we enter that reflection with a really deficit-oriented mindset. And it can be a helpful way to kind of recalibrate this mentality and focus on our collective gains and the ways in which we can leverage our communal learning and the things that we've learned instead of the things that we've lost. So, you know, Kate and I, with this project, we really wanted to look to the teachers to help us understand their experiences about what happened and how things can go better in the future. And we hope to use that work and move forward to prompt conversations with multiple voices and multiple perspectives that are strategically brought in, not by just honoring who's the loudest, who's most available, or who has the most time to provide. So as folks move back towards a new school year, it will be really important to consider how much the relationships you have or you can create matter and how the routines that you can establish also contribute to consistently making progress in the upcoming week. So for example, being consistent and embracing the little things can be a really important way to leverage that. For students and parents who may not have encountered this kind of school transition before, this might initially be perceived as something that can be really stressful. So it can be very helpful to begin by engaging in conversations about going back to school and begin to reestablish those routines around going back to school early and often remind a student that school can be really exciting and it's a positive time and it can be embraced with a positive conversation. For example, I have a friend who is a parent and is also an educator and she started taking her child to the school playground regularly to sort of combat some of the tensions around going back to school. So this has become a routine part of their week together and they've started engaging in conversations around what it will be like to go back to school regularly and talk about what it'll be like what other kids are on the playground. Will she still have to wear a mask? What it'll be like to line up at the door and share space with other kids. So it's that kind of thing that will really help to begin to mitigate some of the stressors around going back to school for both students and for parents. And for now, I think it's helping the student to become increasingly excited about the prospect of going back to school. My friend told me the other day, she said she's ready for summer to be over, which I personally don't feel that way. But if those kind of conversations can allow us to move into that space, I think that's a really helpful thing. So it could be very helpful to start establishing these routines, engaging in these conversations and developing a sense of regularity around what it means to do school, because that's something that we've really lost and it's a process that we're beginning to relearn altogether.
1: Thank you for sharing those strategies. As the podcast comes to a close, what is one thing you hope listeners remember from our conversation today? it's
0: important for us to remember that we did this research in a very particular context and that context was emergency remote learning. And this is a context that continues to evolve. And so it's important for us to continue to tune into those changes and reflect on how those changes influence one another, including the stakeholders who are involved. So students, parents, teachers, and the the communities that we're surrounded by. So we can continue to prioritize developing strong relationships within and across classrooms, caretakers, and also look to other teachers as part of this network who we consider to be experts. I also think it's just important to remember to be kind to yourself and be kind to others. We're facing unprecedented time, particularly as it pertains to education, and we face new challenges every day, and being kind will go a long way.
2: One of the things that I would, you know, I just want to reiterate is this idea that like Uh, None of this work um, happens in a vacuum and nothing happens without education. So we continue to have tremendous respect and support for educators, caregivers, and students. Um, We really want to continue to learn from and alongside them.
0: Thank you for listening to the Michigan Minds podcast, a production of the University of Michigan. Join the conversation on
2: social media with hashtag UMichImpact.